Hello, and welcome to Makers.dev episode number 31. Chris, I gotta know about a graphics card that you have in your house. I need to know everything. Yes. Tell, me, tell me how fast it is. Uh, it is way faster uh, than Google oh. Colab. Um, it is, so, so it's a little surprising because the graphics card is faster and has more RAM, but the thing that's really fast is the data transfer. Uh, because before I was transferring from Google Drive to Google Colab and then from Google Colab's like internal hard drives, you know, who know like they're networked and who knows, whatever. Um, this is an NVMe drive. And so it's Ooh. like, I, I think it's about 100,000 times faster than transferring <laughs> between Google Drive and Google Colab. Like it's, it's essentially instant, um, which is awesome. So yeah, that, that's the biggest thing is data transfer is is way, way faster. And that's between Google Drive after you've already uploaded it. So that initial uploading yeah. stage is also completely taken out. And you were saying that was taking yep. like days for the the uh, size of the files. Is that right? That took what? No, the the thing that took so long was between Drive and Colab. I actually have so I have a fiber at my house now, which is mm -hmm. super nice. Um, and so the the initial upload would take you know I don't know. 30, 40 minutes, but I only had to do that once. It was every time I started a new session on Google Colab, I had to transfer all my data from Drive to Colab. And that mm. was just taking like hours. So like it, it just became unusable. Um, yeah. Gross. And now I imagine it's like instantaneous. It's like it's, it's, instant. it's yep. on the NVMe drive at whatever a gigabyte per second or something. I'm not sure yeah, how fast those drives are. 7,000 megabytes per second, I think. Oh my yeah. gosh. That's ridiculous. It's like RAM. So it's fast. ridiculous. Amazing, and those are the—it's like the little uh, tiny drives that look like a stick of gum. Yeah, it looks like, kind of like RAM. Yeah, yes, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. So, what's what's the deal? What do you what have you done with it? Have you, have you solved all the problems on Kaggle? Or you know, yes, all the number all one the problems. Um, so so far, I've done a lot of configuration, which is kind of what you do when you get a new Linux computer. Um, Most fun part. Exactly. Uh, I so so I ran some tests, obviously, and I ran some really data intensive tests. Um, but a lot of what I've done is setting it up. So like, I want, I want it to be able to operate like completely without a monitor. So I want to be able to be on my laptop and VPN into it or, you know, remote access into it. Also. Um, so I set up, um, Jupyter has this. So usually I use Jupyter notebooks to do things. And there's this like thing called Jupyter lab, uh, which like lets you like manage your notebooks and stuff. And that's all a web interface. And so, um, I'm able to like operate on the server, but through a, through a, just a web browser, um, mm. for most of the things that I need to do. And so that's super nice. I got that all set up. Uh, yeah. So I think I'm, I'm just about ready to like, you know, actually do real problems on it. Um, but I'm about to go camping, so it will sit idle for, for a weekend. <laughs> uh, but that's all right. That's okay. If you're anything like me, you know, it, any downtime in camping, your brain will be pulled back to this thing of like, oh my gosh, I could, yeah, I could set up the Jupiter web interface so that it does this, and then oh, I could, I could VPN into it from my phone while I'm camping, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not gonna set that up on purpose before I go. <laughs> yeah, smart. I I have trouble with shiny new toys like being present in the thing that I'm doing that's supposed to be relaxing. Oh, I'm reminded of David Foster Wallace has an essay called uh, A Supposedly Fun Thing That I'll Never Do Again that's this beautiful uh, exp uh, uh, exposition of uh, this <laughs> writer going on a cruise ship and he's this very like curmudgeon-y like uh, observant like uh, sort of hates being doted upon, hates, uh, you know, likes doing work and just really likes writing. And his explanation of being on this cruise ship is just this, this banal listlessness of like, I <laughs> look around me and I see this, this tragedy of these people who were promised this vacation to have fun and here they are and they're still fighting and like, you know, I, I, I go up to the buffet and I, I can't actually do any work because all of the work has been done for me and <laughs> Even me trying to go get my towel, they won't even let me get my towel. I'm like, uh, you know, he's he's just sort of being driven mad by not having a thing to do. And I relate to that feeling so much uh, that, like, I I joke with my friends that, you know, to have fun on a vacation, we need to be doing things that uh, stupid people could die from. <laughs> and it's it's difficult for me to, to enjoy just sort of, like, being in the moment. I've had to do a lot of work to, to get pulled back in the state because 
if I'm not doing something that's like fully engaging, that's that's requiring that I'm actively involved and doing something hard, my brain just like <laughs> leaves, and it's just like okay, well, you know, you, you clearly got it here. We, we can just use like the lower quarter of our brain to like do whatever the things we're doing here, and then for, with the rest of our brain, we'll think about this very hard problem. Uh, do you relate to that? Do Do you feel like you have trouble on like? On, on this camping trip, you have this very fun toy at home with these very complicated, very hard problems. Uh, what's what's your prediction of how future Chris is going to be acting in that situation? Yeah, so I relate to that a little. Um, one reason I like camping, though, so we go camping every year. with a gr- We have a group of friends. Um, they all have kids about our, our kids' age. Um, and so it's like a kind of a mix between, like, you have to get a campfire going so that you can cook your food, right? So that's, like, mm. kind of a base level thing. Um, but then you get to sit around and do nothing while all the kids go off and play on we, – we go to a campground that has a playground. And so, like, the kids leave, and there's, like, old enough kids where, like, they're, like, you know, teen- like young teenage age. And so they can kind of babysit the younger ones. And then the mm. grown-ups get to sit around and do nothing. And so it's kind of the switch off between doing nothing and, like, cooking food, right? And mm. um, so I, I really like that as an escape because it's not like the cruise ship example. It's like – uh, you can switch between hard problems and doing absolutely nothing. Um, mm. And I generally can check out pretty well on that kind of trip. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to checking out and ignoring my computer until I get back. Yeah, Excellent. Camping is a special example for me, I guess, because, yeah, you, you get knocked back on the Maslow's hierarchy of needs to... <laughs> you got to figure out how to, how to cook your food. And to do that, <laughs> you got to figure out how to make heat. And now it's this... Like, yeah, that... that is very fun. That's a that's an engaging problem for me. Yeah. I, I will I will say the campsite we go to has electricity, <laughs> so oh. <laughs> if needed we get yeah. I, I was we were invited to camping in the Smoky Mountains where there's no electricity and no cell service, and we are not doing that this year. <laughs> maybe okay. maybe when our kids are a little older, but yeah, this has cell service and electricity. Um, yeah, but still tense, you know, tense. I am very excited about future camping trips because of a fun toy that i got not 24 hours after your uh fancy computer was delivered yes tell me i would love to tell you all about it i got a freeze dryer (laughs) and it's amazing i it's this feels a lot like what i imagine it must have felt like you know when the refrigerator was first invented because when the refrigerator was first invented, I, I don't know the story behind it, but I imagine it was like some sort of commercial use and it was used for this specific scientific thing. And then someone was like, ah, you know, we could probably sell this to people. And at first they sold it to like incredibly rich people who could spend like $50,000 on this thing just as this incredible luxury. And then it slowly started to trickle down to, you know, I can imagine maybe my grandfather would have been like, ah, here's this thing that I had to special order. They don't have it in any stores yet, but how much better is this than an icebox because it's electric and we're also one of the first families with electricity. So it's this cutting edge thing and like it's clunky and hard to use and <laughs> has a lot of rough edges, but look at this. I now have this ability that it would make so much sense for everyone to have in the future. That's what it feels like to have a freeze dryer. Uh, a little background for anyone who's not familiar with this. This is not a dehydrator. A dehydrator is like a box with a fan in it that just runs air over it. And then your food gets all shriveled and brown and uh, it's still very good. It's it's like a fun thing, uh, and it preserves a little longer. But something like sixty percent of nutrients are destroyed, and then dehydrated food hmm. dehydrated food only lasts like depending on how you preserve it uh, a couple of months longer than it usually would. Freeze dried food lasts twenty five years and can be rehydrated to almost exactly what it was before. Storage does not require any kind of electricity. You just slap it in a mylar bag and seal it. And it preserves something like 95% of the nutrients. I think vitamin C gets destroyed. Uh, So if you have like freeze-dried food and a vitamin C tablet, you get all the food you need. So my next camping trip is going to be like a backpack full of, you know, filet mignon. And like, you know, a a chipotle burrito. And like, I I could be anywhere. I could go fly to, I don't know, Chile and hike Patagonia and have a backpack full of, you know, uh, anything. I could... I could have cauliflower rice and I could have my weird diet food and oh I'm so excited. Uh and this this came off of uh COVID having some food shortages that sort of tipped me into this and uh going on some camping trips where it was difficult for me to find like high quality, good uh freeze dried meal packs that I could use. And then also we had Snowvid uh, a couple months ago in Dallas where uh, all of Texas lost all of its electricity. Um 
And it sort of got me thinking like, this is a thing that I would use day to day. I'm also trying to figure out this problem of how can I have uh, <laughs> a Christian meal machine where I just always have food available. Uh, and uh, it, it made sense to pull the trigger and I got it. And now I'm experimenting with all sorts of different foods. And uh, my brother-in-law is getting in on this. <laughs> he went to the grocery store and bought like all kinds of different things. We're doing a bunch of test batches. And it, it's just amazing. Uh, potentially a source of revenue, but like principally, it's just a really fun toy that's fascinating that I think everyone should have because it's just so cool. And you, you, you can preserve food for 25 years. My gosh. And, and it's just perfect. <laughs> you rehydrate it and it's like the same thing it was before. Oh, amazing. Uh, so I'm, I'm very excited about this. Particularly in the application of like day-to-day -day use, I'd love to get a system going where like instead of cereal, but with the same ease as cereal, if you got this box of dried stuff and you pour it in a bowl and you add some sort of liquid, I'd love to do that, but with actual food of like vegetables and meat uh, in a cereal box. I'm, I'm not <laughs> quite sure what this is going to look like, but then I pour it out and just add out water and then boom, I got you know, this beautiful paleo keto bowl uh, that's exactly the kind of food that I want. And then if I'm doing that, I think I can be doing a lot of batch processing of like, okay, we're going to run, you know, five runs of just chicken. And then I'm going to have chicken for the next year. And then we're going to do the same thing with broccoli. And then I'm going to do the same thing with whatever, carrots and lettuce. And then, oh, okay, I can make a bowl now by taking a scoop of chicken and a scoop of carrots and a scoop of lettuce. And boom, now that's my little meal for a day. And I can put that in a bag or I can put that in a cereal box. Uh, so I'm I'm very excited about this thing. It's very cool. That's really cool. Yeah, this is, so I saw you got it. And then I looked at the prices and the size of the thing. And I was like, oh, maybe not. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and I started looking at like how to make your own. It's very complicated. Uh, it, it's a neat, very complicated piece of machinery. So yeah, I'm very interested in the experiments you do. Um, the other thing it reminded me of is like, well, so, so one, yeah, it would be interesting. A lot of people do meal prep and they do it every week and then they fall off the train because you have to do it every week. Uh, it'd be really cool to do it a year at a time. You know, like we're spending this weekend making a year's worth of food. Um, that's yeah. kind of neat. Uh, and then the other thing people do is like, you know, you'll buy like a quarter of a cow or half of a cow and stick it yeah, in a deep freezer. Yeah, yeah. But then if you lose power, you lose, you know, a thousand dollars or whatever with a meat. Um, yep. But instead you could freeze dry it. And then you, uh, so I'm very interesting. interested in all the applications. Yeah. Of, of your freeze dryer. Getting stuff in bulk is another element of this. Of like, yeah, it's, it's feasible for me now to get a quarter of a cow. That's not unreasonable because I would just need enough freezer space and then the the pipeline is like there's a place to just dump infinite food to the storage of freeze dried food is just stick it in the bin and put it at like roughly room temperature plus or minus forty degrees and uh, it's it's gonna be fine uh, maybe not forty degrees uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it yeah. can go much colder than it can hot uh, yeah. but like yeah if if I'm at Costco and I see oh look at this they have an entire quarter of a cow here for sale uh, I could do that and then I just throw it in a freezer. Uh, maybe I, I think I would process it and then put it in the freezer in batches. And then I run those batches just like continuously a, a batch on the freeze dryer takes like a day. So every day mm -hmm. I'm running four more trays through it. So, you know, after like a week or two, I have a cow processed and now it's right. freeze dried meat. And now that's all of the beef I could possibly need. Yeah. Uh, but it, it I, solves I wonder... a very interesting queuing problem of food of like the, the freshness of it and the, the expiration doesn't, doesn't necessarily matter now. Yeah. Can you add that to like, so say you added, say you like cubed a chicken and freeze dried it. And then could you add it to like a stir fry or something and it would rehydrate and it would taste yeah. like chicken? Yeah. Yes. That's super cool. And it would absorb whatever liquids were in the thing. So if you wanted to, nice. yeah. you know, you, you cook your vegetables and now it's sort of a vegetable stock and then you throw your chicken in. Your chicken's going to puff up and absorb the stuff of all the flavors of all the other food. So uh, yeah, the, the flavors can get much more intense. Uh, it's been wild. Some of the things I've had on it, like, <laughs> strawberries just taste like oh my gosh that is a lot of strawberry and like this this beef that we did was oh it's like it's like beef bouillon on your tongue it's just so intense uh and some crazy stuff is happening of like you you chew it and the first chew is like have have i put styrofoam in my mouth this is the driest <laughs> thing in the world and then you take another chew and it's like oh it's it's more uh moist and then your third chew all of a sudden, there's beef in your mouth. <laughs> it's as if you took a couple chews of beef and it, it transforms 
right there. It's it's incredible. It's like science fiction. And it's real. This is a thing in the yeah. future that we have that you can just buy. And like, yeah, it's stupidly expensive right now. And I think I was being hyperbolic. I don't I don't necessarily think everyone should own <laughs> one right now. But like, I yeah. could totally see this becoming more consumerized. I think if, if it comes down to the level of like a mid-sized fridge, I could see this making sense for a lot of people. Yeah. The other thing this reminds me of, and this is sort of a stretch too, but so um, there's, there's this restaurant in Chicago called Alinea or Alinea. Yes. Yeah. And they do all sorts of modernist cuisine, right? And it's just, it's, you know, you substitute Alinea for your modernist cuisine kind of, kind of food. And at first glance, it looks weird. Like, like they, they come out with like pillows and you stab it and you breathe in like the smoke that yeah. smells like whatever. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's like so strange, but it does a few things. One is like kind of gets creative juices flowing i think um like you see these and i've never been there but i have their cookbook and i have there's someone who cooked every recipe in their cookbook and then he made a book about that um and i i find it really very very interesting creatively to like hear about these like futuristic foods and it's like it's way too expensive for what the food is right but it's just super interesting and gets your creativity flowing um Hmm. so that's what that reminds me of like you could make you know beef and then shred it into like powder and put it on something and it'd be some modernist <laughs> cuisine kind of food um yeah uh, that's, that's i don't know that's neat i also love seeing things from those different angles any it's part of why i love exposing myself to all these different things uh, like to be the best software developer i want to be or the best like software business developer it's if i can only get so far by studying software business stuff and going on that traditional track i think the the huge benefits to be gained are just exposing yourself to as much stuff as possible. I think that's the game of creativity because uh, you don't know where the best idea is going to come from. And then, you know, you, you take this idea from over here of, oh, uh, Aliena in, uh, that's not how you pronounce it. Uh, I think, I think it's Alinea. Alinea. It's an, yeah, there's an know. A and an L in there somewhere. And I think it is yeah, with yeah. another A. We'll, we'll link it in the show notes. Uh, you know, they're, they're doing this technique with freeze drying beef and then making a powder out of it. Oh my gosh, of course. If I just... <laughs> did the analog of freeze drying video and then put it on serverless this is a stretch you get what i'm yeah. saying though of like creativity is about you you can't just come up with a creative idea ideas come from combining two existing ideas together and the further out you're pushing the known space of ideas that you know the the further out you're pushing the adjacent possible of the possible ideas you can combine uh so yeah this uh this was a business expense uh, and I feel like it was a legitimate business expense uh, because it's potentially something that I can make money from. Uh, I have several different business avenues of ways that I think I can turn this around to do like, you know, freeze drying wedding cake. I think it'd be a really good idea. Uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff on TikTok of uh, freeze drying like Skittles that you can then take, you know, like a bag of Skittles are practically free and then you freeze dry them and they puff up and look really cool. And they're very crunchy and interesting. Uh, but then you sell those for like $12 and then the cost was almost nothing to you. Uh, so I'm interested in seeing if I can financially justify this also. Uh, yeah, that's that's my new toy. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> that's great, yeah. W- wedding cake, by the way, I think there's an interesting analog to put play there too. Like freeze drying wedding cake is a great example because you are not, like if you just freeze dry meals, you can only sell that for like the cost of the meal plus a little bit. But mm-hmm. if you freeze dry a wedding cake, you're like freezing memories, right? Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. depending on how you spin that and how you market that, you can really um, charge more for that whole package. Like in a, even if you package it well, you know, put it in a nice little box and for 25 years, you get to have a slice of your cake in a nice little cute box, right? Yep. Um, I think there's something to be said about software too. Because like software, like you could just have the meat, right? And that's just, you can mm. sell it for like the meat, right? Or you can like package it super nicely and tell a good story and like, you know, and, and, uh, you can charge a lot more for it. You can, they have a better experience, um, and overall it's just better. Uh, so I think, yeah, I think there's a play to be made there. That's a really good idea. This, the difference of, are you selling the core thing that it's doing? Are you Google or Amazon selling a transcription service that turns your files into the transcription or are you descript that just does a little bit more and now all of a sudden it's not it's not that you're transcribing videos it's that it's a fundamentally different way to edit videos by editing the transcription instead of editing based on time codes uh what's it i feel like there's a better example of that of like software delivering value like really understanding its customer versus software trying to be very myopic and just being about you know i'm a tool i'm a hammer and i yeah. hit things okay it's not so a it's hammer not. it's a it's a thing to like hang 
your pictures on your wall and that will make you feel better about yourself and be more impressive when uh, people visit your house. Uh, yeah. So, so I can tell an example about my computer. So the one I just bought with the RTX 3090 in it, I could have just bought an RTX 3090 and like the cheapest, you know, computer to stick it in. Right. Mm-hmm. That's like, that's like just the meal. Right. I could have just done that. But instead I went with, uh, there's a company out of Denver called system 76. Um, and they make, uh, they, they make the cases, which look very nice. Like it looks like a kind of a piece of furniture and they put everything inside of it and they warranty it really well. And they make sure everything is going to work together. And that's, is kind of like an experience opening their box. Um, and I bought them, even though they were a little more expensive. Um, like I, you know, it's a company I know, you know, if I call them, I know they're going to like honor their warranty. I think they're going to honor their warranty, right? Based on all their, their, but they have like a lot of verbiage on their site about that and stuff. So like, it's just a fundamentally different experience buying from them versus buying from just like the cheapest, you know, mm-hmm. source I could find uh, on the internet. And I, I think, especially as indie developers, you can really be like, uh, that's like one of the superpowers of being like a single person. Like if you call me, you're going to get the CEO and founder and engineer <laughs> versus mm-hmm. if you call some giant faceless company, um, where you're just going to get like, you know, who knows who. So. It's about the value to the customer as opposed to what the thing is. I'm reminded also of shopping for things on AliExpress. Very often it's a a picture of the thing. So I'm into lock picking and I was trying to get uh, this specific type of lock pick called a, uh, oh, I think it's called a Rishi tool. Uh, Hmm. It's amazing. And like you watch YouTube videos of this, it's incredible. It's like they'll let you decode the the lock at the same time that you're picking it and just makes it sort of foolproof and uh, is is very good training for feeling the strength of the pins. And if you go on like an American lock picking site and look for this tool, uh, it's like $150 and they have this whole description of like, here's how you use this and here's a tutorial. And uh, they, they sort of paint a very vivid picture of like, this is the person you will be with this tool. And on AliExpress... They have the tool for like a third of the price. I'm not quite sure how they're doing that, uh, but I I don't know. <laughs> um, and it's like just a picture of the thing and a list of the model numbers. And the description is like inaccurate. <laughs> and some of the pictures are Photoshopped into things that they shouldn't be. Like they don't even make sense. Like it's, you know, it's this tool with a, a bank safe and like this, this does not do combination locks <laughs> that doesn't make sense uh and like you know <laughs> a happy family with a picnic and they have this like laid on the picnic basket like that's that's logically uh, not logical uh but for the person who knows exactly what the tool is that's fine they're, they're just shopping on price they're just trying to get the cheapest thing possible uh but for someone who's just, who like doesn't know what they want who's who's trying to who has a more vague conception of like, this is the thing that I'm trying to get. I'm, I'm I would like to be a better lock picker. Uh, for them, the the product is much better with the story. What am I trying to say? I think it's I think this is about like a a thing cannot be separated from the story about the thing. Uh, for you getting your computer, the it's it's in the story of like you value your time and they're going to make sure that if this thing breaks, they have a warranty on it and they're going to deliver you a thing that's already working. Uh, it's, it's about more of the holistic experience and that it's, it's not clear necessarily where that value is unless you're looking at it from the perspective of who is this person and how am I trying to help them? What's, what's the story that I can help them tell about their lives? What's the superpower that I can give them? Um, some powerful thoughts. I'd like to rethink a lot of the things I've been building in that, in that framework. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I, it's something I always have in the back of my head, but I rarely think about that when I'm building the product. So maybe Mm. I should, you know, build into the product cycle, a time to think about, you know, how is the person actually experiencing this? What do they really, you know, what do they really want to do? That's jobs to be done. That's that whole framework. Mm. Um, and how can I explain that with stories, especially, um, you know, on the site so they know that, it's actually going to do the thing that I say it's going to do. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I wonder if there was a cheaper freeze dryer on AliExpress that I just totally passed over because like, <laughs> they just said very mechanically, like this is a device that can uh, cool things to under 28 degrees and then it can uh, pressurize them to under 600 uh, millitors. Uh, and because they weren't telling the story in a way that I was understanding it. And like, I understand from their perspective too, it takes so much work to make a thing. And when you're spending that much time making the thing, 
all of your focus is on the thing and trying to make as good of a thing as possible. It's difficult to zoom out and sort of lose sight of, okay, but what's the, what's the thing? How does this thing help people be better people? Uh, because outside of that context, things are sort of meaningless. Uh, hmm. Hmm. It's, it's something that I'd like to pull myself back to. Uh, I think you have uh, a couple other things to update. I, I have a update on the projects I actually worked on this week. <laughs> Uh, did not involve uh, freeze drying. What, what else did you get up to this week? Sure. So I sort of a big day like today, just today. Uh, I went to the Apple store. My, so I have an iPad, an iPad Pro. I got to like draw on because it has a touch sensitive, you know, Apple Pencil. It's really nice. Uh, and my kids broke the screen uh, a few months ago, <laughs> um, of course. Uh, and I waited until kind of COVID was sort of winding down to go to the apple store to get it fixed and i'm glad i went today because i had 38 days left on apple care and so which is close to the end um the way they fix a broken screen for ipads is they give you a new ipad <laughs> they don't like uh I, yeah they don't even try to fix it I, I i have to imagine they take it back and refurbish it and then sell it again but um yeah so i i went 38 days later and i would have had to pay for a brand new ipad but i got a free new ipad so uh i did that today um and then the other thing I did, which is more interesting, is I, I – so, so I don't want to say too much because it's not finalized yet, but I think I'm going to do something like an internship this summer. Oh. Um, I am doing this master's in the fall, and it's sort of a shift from web you know, um, web and mobile development to more like data science, AI, ML kind of stuff. And I reached out to a bunch of people. Like Usually internships are given in like January, like six months before the summer. But I reached out to a bunch of people saying, I just got into this master's program. Um, some I knew, some I were just uh, companies that were interesting to me, like in the space I generally want to be in. Um, and so I've had a couple of conversations and I think at least one of them will play out. And so, it, um, so it's kind of interesting. And one of the things you asked me a few weeks ago was, so before I got into the master's, I had this opportunity to do consulting and then maybe even full-time for a company that is very much aligned with things I want to do and the way I want to work. And I didn't feel good at all about, about that when I started getting hooked up to their systems. You know, I, I knew I didn't want to do that. But this company is super interesting to me. And why am I excited about this company? And I wasn't about the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so I'll give my first answer and then I'm sure you can pry out of me something else. But my first answer is... is it, so this is more in the direction of where I want to go. And part of it is just novelty for me. So that's interesting. Um, and not, by novelty, I mean, like, I've sort of solved web development for myself. <laughs> like, I, I've mm. done, I don't know, 100 web development projects. I can kind of do all of that. Uh, you know, AI and ML is sort of brand new for me. Um, and so that's part of the reason I'm super excited about this. Um, and so that that's where I'll leave it. Yeah, you can ask about any of that stuff. Uh, briefly on the iPad, yeah. I think that's an excellent example of Apple being focused on the story level. They're not focused on the level yeah. of like the f- the fundamentals of okay, well, there's a screen broken on this iPad, and so we need to replace the layer of glass because that's the thing that's broken. They're very focused on uh, iPads are a tool to help Chris be able to draw better. How can we get Chris drawing? Again, as fast as possible, we give them a new iPad. Done. We've, we've solved that problem. And then we have the iPad. We, we can sort of like focus on that level again and send that off to technicians and uh, do the, the more low-level repair. But they're, I, I could see them making a choice of like being hostile towards you and being too focused on the thing, uh, trying to make a, a thing-level repair, and replacing the device feels insane but uh i'm sure they have a a system on the back end to be able to refurbish it like you said uh so it seems like they're they're addressing the thing their ipad is supposed to be able to do very well which is giving you this superpower of drawing um i love that an internship in ai and ml is a thing that has your attention i'm reminded of the conversation we had uh about adhd of like our brains crave novelty we need new stuff uh, that clicks for me really well that after hundreds of web development projects, you're kind of done. You don't want to do that anymore. Like, yeah, that makes sense. And if, if I threw a fun spin on it of it's this web dev thing and you need to do this AI ML thing in it, or uh, it's, I don't know, it's this web dev thing and <laughs> you need to be able to do it while you're camping. Uh, I don't know. Uh, that that may 
get more inject more novelty into it but uh i don't know i I feel like that's a perfectly valid reason to do something new you want to learn more things you want to expand what you're familiar with uh i like that a lot uh with the the company that you were thinking of consulting for that was just going to be a plain uh bread and butter web dev contract that wasn't going to be anything new or exciting yep yeah pretty much uh it was so it was in an area that meeting places in so like this online community kind of area so it's something i'm interested in and they're a new startup kind of company and so i was going to be able to like establish a lot of the you know kind of basics that they're doing um it it was very so so in that way it was was very interesting to me but Mm -hmm. when i started to actually do the work um i just realized that i didn't i didn't want that kind of position again yeah makes sense i love it you need to be challenged you want new things i'm i'm in full support i'm very excited to see uh what happens with this uh and i think like a hundred and and some odd web development projects that's nothing to sneeze at that's you became an expert in the field (laughs) like you have all these uh video tutorial series helping other people to learn these things um if you did the exact same thing with ai and ml fantastic great and then move on to the next thing that's has your attention and then you have these huge skill sets behind you that you can take and uh, spin up into something else. I think that's a productive way to be navigating the world. And I think with a better understanding of how our brains are working, that we sort of need that novelty. That's that's how we're tuned. Uh, we're not people who could go and be in the I Love Lucy bonbon factory and just like right. put the, the chocolate in the wrappers all day uh yeah the the way to optimize that is to optimize work for us because it's much harder to optimize us for arbitrary work and the way to do that is to be constantly exploring new and different things not everyone can do that uh it's sort of going to be this crisis in the workforce over the next few years of like man what are we going to do with the 30 percent of the economy that are some type of driver that now need to be retrained to do something else because we have computers that can now solve this problem of driving uh i think i think creativity and these adhd tendencies are going to be selected for i think people who are able to go and do this rapid skill acquisition and who who crave being bad at things and learning new skills uh are going to be doing much better and yeah i think it i think it looks like this i think it looks like you taking a job that you're bad at that you don't know very much about because it's new and novel uh as opposed to the thing that you've done hundreds of times uh yeah that makes so much sense to me yeah, it's also a little bit aligned. So when we talked with Jesse um, last episode, for people listening to this, the last episode was with Jesse. He talked about his journey with ADHD and um, how, you know, a, a lot of, especially entrepreneurs, probably feel a lot of tendencies towards that, even if they don't have a formal ADHD diagnosis. One of the things he talked about was like a passion, meaning a light, like a lifelong passion. And I didn't think I had one of those. Like, I, I'm pretty like... I can jump from thing to thing pretty well. You know, I didn't think I had one of those, but if I think back about all the times I've interacted with the computer, anytime Mm -hmm. it's been the computer plus some kind of creative output, meaning like the computer is helping you with creativity or being creative itself. I was Mm -hmm. super interested in that. And so like in school, like I tried to several things that like computers creating their own, you know, like what would it mean for a computer to write a novel or what would it mean for a computer to help you write a novel, you know? Um, so that was all the way in school. And then like this kind of through that. So I see that as sort of a through line with everything I'm doing. And this company is doing something very similar to that. Um, mm-hmm. it's like, it's all about creative and, and how AI can be creative, um, or how AI can help you be creative in this. I'll talk more about it if I actually get the job. Right. But, um, <laughs> and, and so this might be pushing me, it's, it's something I didn't really recognize in myself necessarily, but it might be pushing me something towards something like you know, what has been like the through interest line through my entire life. Um, mm. So that's interesting to realize about myself too. Yeah. I like it. It, it sounds like that you have a unifying theme and within that you need to be pushing the boundaries, especially in this highly creative field. It's, it's not enough to be, you know, doing your 200th project of being creative with a computer by spinning up another uh, web app. Uh, you you want to explore that space and you want to be doing things that are hard and things that are pushing the boundary. And uh, I was reminded when you said uh, that in school you were interested in the question of how computers can help you write novels. My gosh, you you must have lost your mind with GPT-3. <laughs> you just like <laughs> yeah. type in the title of the story and boom, it's, it's done. Uh, incredible. Yeah, so I think that better understanding that in yourself of knowing, you know, this is the type of work that I enjoy. I need 
novel things that are hard, preferably things that are on some sort of a uh, leaderboard that uh, there's competition involved that uh, if I have a sense that I'm doing something that very few people could do uh, that are following this theme of doing creative work with a computer. Uh, knowing that about yourself now, great. You, you can evaluate a decision like this and say, okay, should I do consulting or should I do this fun AI ML uh, internship thing? Well, under that heuristic, of course, it's going to make so much more sense for you to, to be doing the, the more creative thing. Uh, yeah, sounds like you're, you have become more aligned uh, over these last two decisions of not doing the, inter the, not doing the consulting and doing this internship. That's the goal. <laughs> um, yeah. How about you? So you had some updates as well. What do you, what, what do you got up? Yes. Uh, last time we talked, I uh, surprised myself that the thing that I thought was a roadblock, you, you pushed on a little bit. You were like, why can't you just edit this in the cloud? Like, why can't this just be cloud functions? And I didn't remember the reason why. And I, I, I still need to dissect that. I'm like, what was, I had a mental block here of a reason why I couldn't do this. I think it was that I was trying to over-engineer this to be able to edit videos that could take any arbitrary amount of time. So I was thinking, ah, but what if I need to clip a video and the clip is two hours long? That couldn't possibly run in nine minutes. But you brought up a very valid point of like, nine minutes is fine. And you, you could just have as a requirement that your clip has to be short enough that it can run in this amount of time. Uh, so, you know, if, if I have a five minute clip, that's going to be fine. Uh, and it's running faster than real time. So like it's, it's uh, going to be better than that. And so with that removed, my gosh, the, the next four steps just felt like dominoes. Uh, and I now, so two weeks ago, I was able to get these transcriptions uh, and then came up with uh, or, or integrated this idea of like highlighting the transcription uh, and saying clip instead of saying your mark and end time, uh, your start, start and end time. And then this last week, I was able to take that start and end time and uh, instead of using this external service called QEncode, uh, where it was an API that I would send off, I would tell it the URL of the video and the start and end time, and then it would come back with the, the edited clip. I just did that serverlessly. And serverlessly, I, I was surprised. I was trying to do a bunch of things with streams and being clever with, well, if it's only this 30 second clip, I don't, I don't wanna have to download the entire video. So I'd love to be able to do like, you know, tell, Google Cloud Storage that I only need the file starting at this number of bytes and then try to get a byte range that is covering the file and uh, make sure that I can do this as quickly as possible and as data efficiently as possible so that I can make the most use of my nine minutes as I can. And in the process of doing that, streams are hard. <laughs> and <laughs> I was thinking, you know, let's just test it just to see if it's feasible. If I just download the entire video and then once I have it locally on this cloud function, uh, clip it out and then just delete the whole video and then re-upload the, the small clip. And that works fine. <laughs> it downloads the <laughs> like a gig and a half. It, it takes maybe 25 seconds to download, uh, which I am paying for the higher uh, capacity cloud function to be able to do that editing step quickly. But it's fractions of a penny for each video. Like it doesn't matter. And I'm effectively just paying for this infrastructure that can scale magically. So on the off chance that I post this on Hacker News or something and a million people start using it all at once, the only thing that I'm going to see is a higher bill. Uh, I'm, nothing's going to crash. It's just going to perfectly scale in, uh, in, this, in this very beautiful way. So tremendous progress. Uh, I am like, I think, I think two days away from Getting to this point that I was talking about months ago of being able to upload a long form video and then clip out interesting sections and then have those be automatically rendered to this Gary V style social media uh, optimized square video with the title on top and the transcription on the bottom. And that feels really good. Uh, just like in flow, this, I, I haven't yet figured out my defining theme of the type of work I enjoy, but whatever it is, like this, this fits that theme really well. Uh, it's like systematizing and optimizing and like uh, a thing that used to take me a bunch of human time. Now I just push a button and it just happens and it's very complicated stuff. Ooh, I, I just feel so in flow. That's, that's what gets me going. And uh, it's a ton of fun and serverless functions are incredible and worked incredibly well for this application. So I'm very happy. That's cool. Yeah, whenever, <laughs> so I thought of a few things. Whenever uh, someone describes something technical and I have the thought, well, why don't you just 
Uh, that's like a red flag for me. <laughs> I guess, <laughs> like I almost never ever give those suggestions because they're almost always like reductive in some way. But when you said that last time, I was like, just limit it to nine minutes and then you fix all yeah. your problems. Um, and so I'm really glad that worked. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I'm reminded of a, I don't know why that's a red flag because I, I think that in my life, I've found that that usually leads to the thing that I should be doing. In college, I remember I was talking with this company that does, uh, they were making this prototype device to do uh, TDCS, trans, transdermal something, something. It, it's like electric impulses. And they wanted ones that would impact your vagus nerve. And I think the science behind this was sort of pseudoscience but the idea was uh, they had this hardware device that would let you listen to music and uh, had electrodes in the earbud that would stimulate your vagus nerve. And uh, I was talking with them because they wanted they needed to, to develop an app that would be able to uh, send the correct electrical signals. So you have like the audio channel, but then they would also need a way to send, here's what the uh, vagus nerve stimulation should be. And I was talking with them about this and they were saying like, oh yeah, you know, we, we want the vagus nerve stimulation to just be a function of the music playing. And uh, I asked them, why don't you just have your device be built into the headphones and these are just like fancy headphones and it's just doing the signal processing on the device so the only thing you need to do is plug in your headphone jack and then it's doing the music and this vagus nerve stimulation at the same time and this came after like a 45 minute conversation of what they wanted the app to do and how they wanted it to be the function and programmable and there were three other people on the call and they all went silent <laughs> for, like, <laughs> for like 15 seconds and they were like huh i guess you could do that <laughs> and uh, I think this was like a several month project that they were planning of building this app and having it be a thing. Uh, and then I never heard from them again, <laughs> but hmm. I'd like to think that they just built it into the, into the, uh, the device. Uh, I think, uh, lesson from that that I got is like, sometimes the reductionist angle is the most productive. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, that's true. <laughs> There's always stories like that. I, I think a lot, the reason I say it's a red flag, it's sort of a trope almost like, uh, you know, you, you work on something for months and months and then someone comes along and just says, well, why don't you just, and you mm -hmm. know, it's like, there's a hundred reasons why I didn't do it that way. You know, you don't know all the backstory and, you know, by saying, why don't you just like that, it, like reduces what I've been doing, you know, that, that minimizes all the work I've done. Um, That's fair. but sometimes I think it's probably the right thing to say that, I guess. So yeah, depends on how much for you know the record. in the backstory. Yeah. For the record, anytime that thought pops into your head, please tell me because it's all right. probably <laughs> not something I have uh, thought all the way through. And the <laughs> reducing it and simplifying it uh, would get me out of the, the bind that I'm in. Uh, so that's that. Uh, oh, I had a family video project where I needed to edit a bunch of family videos, splicing it whenever there was blue on the screen. And this task was so much easier with this background of all this work I've been, excuse me, all this work I've been doing in video editing. Uh, that was like, oh, how powerful is it of video is such an important thing in modern life. And there's so much of it. And uh, I feel superhuman with this understanding I have now of how video works and tools around how to make video work for me. And uh, in the process of doing this, like understanding this whole pipeline now of how things are working at this lower level on the layer of like frames uh, and encoding all the way up to here's how I can deploy this production serverless video editor. I'm building these things in a way where if I wanted to spin up a SaaS that was like drag and drop in your video and I'll spit it out uh, with scene detection. So I'm, I'm giving you uh, your video that you got back from these companies, but uh, split at the scenes instead of an hour and a half long video. Uh, I could do that. <laughs> I could just drag and drop this, this script that I'm making for myself. This is work that I would have gone through anyway, where if I was doing it manually, I'd be spending 10 times the amount of time. Like this is the fastest way for me to do it now. Uh, and now that's building towards, if I ever want to do something with this in the future of solving this problem for everyone, I could. Uh, and that feels really cool. <laughs> uh, I think, I think also in line with whatever my overriding theme is of I really like saving time. <laughs> automating things uh i need a snazzy way to say that uh but yeah. that that feels really cool yeah it's funny because i also had a family video project uh that oh. i did this week um my so my sister has a fifth grader and they're i 
in the in the U.S. in our part of the U.S. when you go from fifth to sixth grade, you like you switch schools from elementary to middle school, and so they're having a graduation. I guess you call it a fifth grade graduation. Um, and she she was in charge of doing like the montage video of all the pictures, and you know they had some videos from teachers and stuff. And she wanted it set to music. Um, it's going to play during the graduation, and uh, so she's on a Chromebook, and I I couldn't find a good free tool to do that. So I was like, well, I have ScreenFlow, right? Um, so I'll just do it. And so, so I did that. So she sent me a bunch of, so, so she did it in, in Google slides. So she put everything in Google slides oh. and then sent me some videos and like, uh, pictures. And, uh, what I was going to do is download all those as pictures. And then ScreenFlow has like an importer and you can just import it and like, it'll do everything for you. Yeah. yeah. But she had a crossfade. What I had to do instead was, uh, play it on my screen and record my screen with ScreenFlow. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, that's what I ended up doing, but that's okay. It worked. Uh, and then I put, you know, music in the background and she was happy. So, uh, the whole time I was like, this could be a, a sass. But then I also <laughs> thought, um, she wouldn't pay more than like maybe 99 cents for an app to do this. Yeah, and so it would be a yeah, terrible, yeah. terrible sass. But, uh, yeah. So that's what I did this week too. B2C customers are just pathological. They, they don't value their time at all. <laughs> yeah, it, it would just yep. be a 9 event set app or something. This is actually an adjacent space to something people use File Inbox for because they use that to collect the files from people, If it's especially for birthdays. Uh, uh, you know, you, you ask all your friends and family for videos of the person or what I've seen also is like you record a special birthday message for the person and then uh, you... The, the thing they need to do then is I help them collect the videos and then everyone struggles with now that I've collected the videos, I need to stitch them together and no one knows how to do that. And you know what would be great? Uh, here's my idea of the day is uh, either an add-on to file inbox or it would probably make sense just as its own standalone thing of like video st- stitcher maker for parties and people.com dot dev uh yep uh, you i make a page where you can ask people for uploads uh and it can be videos or pictures and then uh you have very basic controls of like you get to pick the song and you get to change the order of things and change like uh the duration of the fades i don't even know if i want that level of granularity uh, and then I stitch it all together for you and give you a video and I could even offer like automatic uploads to YouTube. The problem with this idea is people are going to want to pay nine event cents for it. And that yeah. doesn't make sense. Yep. Uh, I think, I think the thing, man, I need a person in my life who has the opposite skill set of me, who wants to just take that idea and like sell it before it exists and see if that hypothesis is actually correct or if there's some sort of segment of an audience, maybe if it's for like, you know, wedding anniversaries, maybe that's a place where people will spend money. Or maybe if it's for 50th birthdays and you're doing it for your dad, maybe that's a place where now you'll spend a hundred dollars to, to get this done. Uh, I would love someone who like goes out and does that research and then I can just handle all the business technical side of it. That would, that would be a wonderful partnership. Uh, and instead of that, this idea will just uh, sit there <laughs> freeze dried in my brain yeah. Uh, until it may make sense in the future. I think whenever you're doing something super consumer like that, I go to the most consumer thing I know, which is the iPhone or the iPad or something mm-hmm. like that. I think if you made an iPad app or an iPhone app that costs maybe 99 cents, maybe $10, like like mm-hmm. you're getting into, like this is a terrible idea for anyone listening. This is a terrible yeah. idea. But, <laughs> uh, you know, like a, a, an app that costs nine ninety nine, that would, you know, you could stitch music and, and video and and pictures together. She probably would have bought that like $10, but as it is, she had me and I have all this fancy video equipment. So I just did it, you know? So, yeah. And that doesn't make sense because this is a perfect segue into the next thing I want to talk about. Uh, my, my efforts in getting a personal assistant, how much time did the two of you spend on this and what is your time worth? Oh, I could, yeah, I could have easily paid someone a couple hundred dollars yeah for yes. sure yes yes and you could have perfectly justified that in terms of yeah. like unless you know you enjoy the process of doing this i think i i spend a lot of my time doing things that don't make like direct financial sense but that uh are very enjoyable and then lead me to like build this greater skill set but for something like you know you're building a video montage neither of you should, should be spending any time on that <laughs> i assume your sister has like a job where she makes some amount of money uh or at least you know is is has better things to be doing with her time has has better 
uh, higher value ways to be spending our time. Um, the thing, you know, if, if there was if there was an app that cost three hundred dollars, I think it would have made sense for her to do that, and I think she didn't. Because, you know, I, I don't know if that app exists. Well, okay, let, let's say that the app exists and it costs $300. There's a risk there of you don't know if it's going to work. You don't know if that's if you're going to spend the money and then also need to spend the time. Uh, so I think... And then uh, some, some, like... I keep using the word pathological. I don't, I don't know if that's the most accurate word. But, like, a, a broken mental model of how much human time is worth. Um, that, like you see something that costs that amount of money and you're just seeing the money as a loss instead of seeing also the time that you will gain from doing that. Uh, I, I see my parents slipping into this sort of thing all the time of like, I was going through their kitchen and they had this can opener that like was rusted and had fallen apart and barely worked. And I pulled out my phone and I in three taps, I ordered a brand new can opener. I think they've had this one for like 10 years. And it got there the next day, and I took their old one, and I threw it away. Yeah. And that took me like it took me like 15 seconds of my time. Uh, it wasn't quite that, but uh, under a minute of my time. And now I've solved this problem with the can opener. And that can be very difficult of thinking, oh, man, a $10 can opener, but I have this one that almost works. But that's that's the wrong layer to be focused on. The layer to be focused on is like, what are the ways that you want to be spending your time, and how can you spend more of your time doing those things and less of your time doing not those things. And uh, being frustrated with a can opener and having it fall apart on you when you're trying to open a can, that's not a place I want to choose to spend my time. <laughs> and then like reassembling all the pieces, like it's it's kind of fun to do that once, but I'm, I'm not going to do that again. Uh, and it's sort of interesting to like see how the can opener works. Um, and I think making video montages is in this category of like, that's a problem that I could see getting sucked into that and and feeling like I was doing work, feeling like my time was justified. And I, I really want to work on lowering the threshold of things like that and, and be much more liberal with spending money in that situation uh, to, to buy back that time. Yeah. So I see the same thing with kitchen knives. So I keep my kitchen knives really sharp. And whenever I go somewhere which does not have sharp kitchen knives, I'm like, how can you cut with this thing? You know, and it's it, <laughs> like, it's, I keep it sharp with like a, a sharpening stone. It doesn't take much time, you know? Yeah. Um, that's kind of the same thing. A lot of it is like, you know, people don't know or they, they use it and they're like, oh, I should do that. Like, like the can open, right? Every time you use it, it's like for five seconds, you're like really frustrated and you think you should change it. But then it's mm -hmm. done, right? You put the can opener back and then you don't realize till the next time. So it's like this kind of constant, like low grading thing. Um, the other thing I thought of was the Ikea effect. Um, I don't know if you know that, but like, so Ikea, you buy a thing and you have to assemble it. And when you assemble it, like they've done studies that show you like the thing more that yeah. if you assembled it rather than mm -hmm. someone else. I saw the same thing with my sister. So like I did the first version and she had a bunch of changes, right? And mm -hmm. I, I made sure that she was involved in the process, one, because I wanted it to make sure it was done the way she wanted but also because i knew that if she was responsible for the changes she would like it more than if i just gave her a new version mm. um and that totally worked like she got what she wanted uh she was super happy by the end um i just did the the rote work for her so it was kind of like the ikea effect there yeah that i see is a double-edged sword that's interesting for i i i suppose i could make that make more sense for something like a montage video of memories because that's a thing that you want more emotional connection to and I could also imagine, you know, what if the can opener that I threw away uh, without telling my parents uh, was like one that they got in a kit that they assembled themselves that sure, they have a memory yeah. with. Um, I think that's bad. <laughs> I think because now you've attached emotion to something that's just a tool and it's a bad tool. I uh, Like, it's a, it's a spectrum of how emotionally attached are you to this thing. Uh if you're if you're too attached now in situations where you need to give it up where you need to go to the apple store and give them your old ipad so that you can get a new one with a not broken screen uh you, you that's sort of dysfunctional now if you need that particular ipad back and i suppose if you're not attached enough you're you're less sentimental you're you'll give things away too easily uh and won't enjoy the things that you have as much if if you can just push a button and get a couch that's already made maybe you'd be more inclined to like be more wasteful with that couch and you wouldn't really appreciate the the couch that you had and 
how much human effort went into it and how amazing is it that you can just push a button and get a couch delivered to your house. Whereas if you had to put a few steps into putting the couch together, maybe you appreciate the couch more. Maybe your experience of the couch, couch is richer. Uh, I think for me, I'm very far on the side of like not having emotional attachment to things. And I still see benefits in my life from pushing that even further of like, I, I think I should be refreshing my laptops more often uh, and don't need to be holding on to that. And uh, there's, there's things that I have that I think I'm just familiar with that aren't actually the best things to have. And if, if I can just push that a little further into, let's think of what this is mechanically. This is a can opener. It's designed for opening cans. And like, yes, I recognize this can opener because it's the can opener I used when I opened the can of corn that, I don't know, started. <laughs> it's difficult for me even to like manufacture a sentimental yeah. memory on a can opener. Yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah, that's I'd, right. I'd, I'd rather be replacing it more. I was just going to say, that's, that's an interesting way of thinking about things. That's getting pretty ph philosophical. Uh, to this, I have been pushing forward the uh getting a personal assistant i don't have one yet and i haven't posted the job listing like i said i was going to do last week but that's that's now happening this week and uh i found that even just in shifting my mentality more towards spending money instead of my time uh that helped me make better decisions this last week and there were like three times where this uh i, I was able to make a decision where i'm it's not me who has to do the thing. It's just I need the thing to get done. I don't need any sort of emotional attachment to it. It's it's just about mechanically this thing needs to happen. Uh, one of them was I, I actually got a table uh, to put my freeze dryer on. And my brother is a freshman in college and uh, is poor because he is very young. And I got the table. And usually, like, the table would arrive and I'd, I'd take it apart and, like, put it all together and uh, be very invested in that. And I said, I was like, hey, could I hire you to put this table together? And that was a great experience for everyone because like I gave him money and he got money and I just had to like say the thing that I want done and then it got done. Uh, and uh, yes, I don't have as much emotional attachment to this table now because like I didn't build it. And I think that's fine. <laughs> I don't think I need an emotional attachment to that table. Um, there was another thing where I left a toiletry bag at my girlfriend's house and uh, I was thinking like, oh man, there's like two things in there, my sleep mask and my earplugs that uh, I can sleep without them, but like, it's I'm not going to sleep as well. And I, I found this out at like 6 p.m. So I could have driven there and back and that would have been like an hour and a half long trip. And instead I went on TaskRabbit and I found someone to just like go to her apartment and then grab it and then deliver it to where I was. <laughs> And it just got done. I felt like a I felt like a multimillionaire doing this. Just like, look at me. <laughs> I can make people do arbitrary tasks in the world. Uh, and yeah, it would have been much more personal if like I had gone there and done it. And I think it would have... That's the sort of thing that I think my dad would... When my dad hears that I did this, he's going to be horrified. He's going to be like, <laughs> you could have just driven there. What are you doing? You could have listened to an audiobook on the way there. And like... He's right. And instead, I used that time to like do things that I enjoyed doing. And then I didn't feel resentful towards myself of never getting this thing there. It was it's a way that I can direct money to be doing this thing. Uh, so the, just being in this mindset has helped me a bunch of... I think I'm going to be very well prepared for having this personal assistant, being able to offload more tasks and be thinking about things in much more of this like buying back my time mentality. Uh, it... it feels really good and i'm very excited and already seeing the benefits from it even just switching my mindset towards it's okay to spend fifty dollars to get this to get this bag back uh because i'm gonna have a better time i'm gonna sleep better tonight and i'm not gonna be worried about it i'm the problem's just gonna be solved so that feels very good that's interesting yeah um that's interesting that you're seeing effects even before you have the uh, virtual assistant. So that's cool. Or sorry, executive assistant, right? Yes, that's right. Oh, <laughs> I think I said it wrong too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, that's, that's also why I'm interested in uh, learning at your expense about what you do with this, <laughs> this person, because um, I, I'm interested in different things uh, in my life too. Uh, although now that I am consulting less and being a master student more, I have less money to do things like that. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, I still can learn, you know, so. The mentality of it, I think, holds no matter how much money you have. I think it's about yeah. this mindset of, like, optimizing for more of the things that you want to be doing. And money is a very easy way to make that trade-off. Um, but, like, 
in the situation of the the toiletry bag, I think another way that I could have solved that is like, okay, I, I suffer through that once because I left the toiletry bag there. But now, I, I'll just make two toiletry bags, or maybe I make three of them, and I keep one in my car all the time. And uh, the stuff in there isn't particularly expensive. Like, I can assemble the kit of the things that I need. I can have, like, an extra toothbrush in there and the, the uh, toothpaste that I like uh, and a, a thing of floss. It's just about, like, the thought process of reallocating those things with this overarching game of I'm trying to spend more of my time doing the things I want to do and less time doing the things I don't want to do. Yeah. So I have an interesting, funny, kind of funny story about that, uh, about it, it sort of relates all this stuff together. So one of the, the things that I did that improved my mind the most over COVID, which I didn't even realize was a problem, was I bought three extra laptop chargers and I put one <laughs> in my office, one in my bedroom, one in this chair in the living room and one at the kitchen table. Love because it. what I was doing was moving my laptop and the charger and my headphones between every yes. single position. And I didn't even realize like it was super annoying because like the charger, I got to unplug it and I got to move it and then I got to whatever. And it's yeah. kind of like the can opener. It's just like, all these micro cuts of, of things and i just bought the stupid chargers and now i can just sit down and plug in at each of those places um, i love it <laughs> and so that, that that was my can opener story where it's like it's so much cleaner now that i could just do that uh yeah that's funny that's a perfect example yeah that's embodying that same mentality you're you're reducing the number of paper cuts i like thinking yeah. about it as paper cuts it's a bunch of little tiny little details that can be solved by money and can also be solved by just thinking through it more. Uh, like, yes, chargers cost money, but if if you're limited by money, there's other ways to solve that problem. You can, I don't know, get get like used chargers, and they'd be much cheaper. Or maybe maybe you already had chargers. If it's like USB C, you just take the chargers you already have and like reallocate them through the house. Um, yeah, I, I like that a lot. Uh, I'm excited to <laughs> be your guinea pig and update you on uh, how having a personal assistant uh, is an extension of this mentality. Chris, that's all I got. That's all I got too. Then I will see you next week. Goodbye.